0: Ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God to save. We believe in God, it speaks of his love, giving life to raise men from the grave. Everyone is a sinner, there's not righteous, no not one. Everyone needs a savior. God's gift of life is in his Son, yeah. Alright, every man. Woman and child, you gotta give them the gospel Black and white, rich and poor Give them the gospel You demonstrate the love of God When you give them the gospel So give them the gospel I'm not ashamed of the gospel For a righteous God it reveals From faith to faith it sanctifies Teaching the truth And wounded hearts It heals I won't listen to Oprah When I can open the word and Dr. Phil cannot help me Only every word From the mouth of God can All right Every man Woman and child You gotta give them the gospel Black and white Rich and poor Give them the gospel You demonstrate the love of God When you give them the gospel The world can't solve its host of problems By looking to itself All it needs is Jesus Christ The way, the truth, and the life Oh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel The wisdom of man can't compare The wisdom of God is christ crucified the power of god to those now in his care the devil spreads his wicked lies deceiving the hearts of men only the truth of the gospel can set men free and make them whole yeah all right every man woman and child you gotta give them the gospel black and white witch and poor Give them the gospel. You demonstrate the love of God when you give them the gospel. No sex, drugs, or alcohol can take the place of a loving God. All we need is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, in the life of every man, woman, and child. You gotta give them the gospel. Black and white, rich and poor, give them the gospel. You demonstrate the love of God when you give them the gospel. Oh, give them the gospel. Oh, give them the gospel. Songs. Every time I think of you, Lord, things you've said and done, giving me life and peace and freedom, there's nothing better than to walk with you. All of my problems seem to disappear. I'm never taking my eyes off you For you give me courage And remove the fear I'm yours and thankful You are mine How my life has changed since the day you came and saved me, now every day's brand new. Life's become an awesome journey. There's nothing better than to walk with you. All of my problems seem to disappear. I'm never taking. My eyes are you, For you give me courage And remove the fear I'm yours and thankful You are mine Whether I live or die Whether I'm rich or poor Whether in health or in pain Whether lonely or in a crowd I'm yours and thankful You are mine The future don't scare me Because I know you're there waiting for me Soon I'm going home I cannot wait to begin Your presence, there's nothing better than to walk with you. All of my problems seem to disappear. I'm never taking my eyes off you. For you give me courage and remove. I fear, I'm yours and thankful you are mine whether I live or die whether I'm rich or poor whether in health or in pain whether lonely or in a crowd I'm yours and thankful you are mine
1: All right. Uh, good evening to all of you. Could you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter fifteen, verse thirteen? Romans chapter fifteen, verse thirteen. We're going to wrap up the study of this verse here this evening. And this uh, this verse, Romans fifteen thirteen, actually closes the main argument of the epistle, which began in Romans one sixteen. And in those uh, in that section, Romans one sixteen to Romans fifteen thirteen, we have Paul's presentation of the gospel. And one of the reasons why he gave them this presentation is because he remember he's never met these people, though they've heard of him undoubtedly, and also he's obviously heard about them because we know that this because he sends greetings to several people, many people in Romans sixteen one through thirteen. So they knew of him, and he knew of them very well, yet they had never met face to face. And one of the reasons why he wrote this presented the gospel to them from his his gospel is that he wanted to solicit their help and aid because he had planned to go to Spain uh, by way of going hit them and then go to Spain. So he was going to ask for their help and aid, providing him with uh, uh, money and finances and traveling companions so he could get out there and evangelize Spain. And church history is uh, pretty uh, quiet about whether he did it or not. There's some, in, some believe that uh, he did, and so I believe he did as well. And uh, he did end up going to Spain uh, after he was released from his se- first Roman imprisonment in 62 A.D. You remember, he died in 68 A.D. in his second Roman imprisonment. So, uh, when Paul wrote this uh, in, uh, from Corinth in 57 A.D., he wanted them to know his his view of the gospel, his presentation of the gospel, and so that's what we are studying and finishing off studying here this evening. And then, starting in Romans 15:14, he uh, presents several miscellaneous items, his travel plans... His opinion of them, the Roman believers, and also he sends greetings in chapter sixteen. He sends them some warnings about uh, people who cause divisions to avoid them at all costs. So we have a lot more to go—you uh, know, a chapter, a chapter and a half to go uh, after this evening. So we're getting toward the end of the book, the epistle. So that's uh, that'll be our study here this evening. We're going to finish off Romans fifteen thirteen, and as we're going to see, we're going to study Paul's purpose uh, for his desire that. That the the Roman that the Holy Spirit would fill the Roman believers with joy and peace by believing in what the Spirit says in the Word of God, and uh, we're going to see the purpose of that uh, desire of Paul, which was a Spirit in, uh, inspired desire, was so that the Romans would prosper with a divine confidence by by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul wants them to have confidence, and he said this. We saw this last evening and we're going to see it again here this evening. God wants us to have confidence in our relationship uh, with Him and also our confidence that He has blessed us in the past, has blessed us now in the present, is and will bless us in the future. So we're going to talk about that this evening when we see the word hope uh, that unfortunately does not convey in English what the original says. Uh, The word hope there, elpis, talks about confidence. So it's a big difference, confidence and hope. Hope uh, connotes some doubt, and the Greek word does not have that. So this is what we're studying here this evening. So without further ado, let's take that moment of silent prayer as we normally do. And for those, for the next few moments, what I'm about to say is for those individuals who have never been here, it's actually for you too as well, it's a reminder, don't take it for granted, a lot of people don't even know this, but we take a silent moment of silent prayer so that we can prepare ourselves to uh, make sure that we're in fellowship with God. We do that by applying 1 John 1, 9, if necessary, which states, if we confess our sins to the Father, He, God the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins with the result that He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing. And uh, that restores us to fellowship. It's that easy to get back into fellowship with God because God's restoring us to fellowship because of who His Son is and what He did for us at the cross. Just as we're saved based upon the merits of the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, so we're restored to fellowship because of the person and work of Jesus Christ when we confess our sins. Then, to maintain that fellowship, we need to bring our thoughts into obedience to what the Spirit says. And as we've been pointing out, and have since the day I got here, if I recall, is that the Spirit speaks to us through the teaching of the Word of God. So when you're obeying the Word of God, you're obeying the Spirit and vice versa. So uh, if there's anything that's disturbing or distracting to you, do what First Peter 5, 7 says. Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. So in the privacy of our very own royal priesthood, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this time to gather together with other members of the royal family of God, the body of Christ, the future bride of Christ, to study your word. We thank you that we can have fellowship with you through the spirit and the word. We thank you, Father, so much for treating us in grace in a manner that we don't deserve and giving us all the unmerited blessings to us as a result of our faith in your son and our union with him. And we just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and and the the minute we trusted in your Son, appropriating all that your Son did for us through his death and resurrection, and we just pray that he would continue, the Holy Spirit would continue through the study of the Scriptures, continue to make clear to us and the implications to us of our union and identification with your Son, that we're seated at your right hand in union with your Son, that you view us as crucified, died, buried, raised, and seated with your Son. Help us to see this, so that open our eyes to see this, Father because we know that's where our victory lies, and that we don't have to fight for the victory over sin and Satan and his cosmic system that's already been accomplished for us, and that Satan is a defeated foe, and the sin nature is a defeated foe. All we have to do is walk by faith in what the Word of God says, and not by sight. So help us all to do that, and we also pray, Father, for our ministry as a whole. We pray, Father, that you would continue to uh, bring in the uh, finances that we need to continue here and to continue to get the word of God out and we just thank you Father for the individuals that you've raised up that have been uh, faithful in giving of their time, talent and treasure in praying for this ministry we just pray Father that you would continue to add to our number and break down barriers Satan has put up that is hindering that from happening, thank you for doing so up to this point, we pray Father that you would uh, continue to uh, bring in individuals uh, raise up individuals who will be dedicated and devoted, and we just help those in our ministry already that are part of this ministry to see the importance of what they have here with the Word of God and getting the gospel out and what a great privilege we have been all all have been given to uh, present the gospel to a lost and dying world and to God's children. So help us to see the value of this, the Word of God, so that uh, we can continue forward. And we just pray, Father, this evening that you would help those and the audience to concentrate, help them to pay strict attention to what the Spirit is saying this evening through the teaching of the Word of God so that they might receive their necessary spiritual nourishment. We pray that nobody would do anything that's disturbing or distracting to those who are serious students of the Word of God. We also pray, Father, that you would help the communicator to uh, proclaim your message this, this evening, what you'd want him to say this evening to the congregation or those who are here. We just pray, Father, that you would help him to do this and to proclaim the Word and be aware of the fact that He is doing so in Your presence, in the presence of Your Son. So help Him to do this through the power of the Spirit. And we pray that as a result of this Bible class, we'd all grow in a greater uh, insight and understanding and knowledge and wisdom in, in regards to Your plan, Father, from eternity past, for us to become like Your Son. And so, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, last evening we began a study of Romans fifteen thirteen, And as I noted last evening, and I noted again a, a few moments ago, this verse completes the argument of the epistle. And that argument began in Romans one sixteen. It's the presentation of the gospel. Paul used it, presented the gospel in argument form, or you could call it a dissertation. There's a whole different uh, voluminous. It's how many articles have been written in uh, theological journals about... Uh, this particular section of the Roman epistle and exactly what type of genre should it be classified as. It's uh, certainly not a narrative, it's actually it's a letter to a group of people, we know that, but it's different because he's actually presenting an argument form his gospel because we know that because of the way he uses certain rhetorical devices such as the first class condition as a tool of persuasion rhetorical questions. Uh, all that was a part of the uh, Greek uh, rhetoric. And Paul, of course, was schooled in, in Koine Greek in the, in the, in the rhetoric of the, uh, of the Greeks. And so he knew that and the Holy Spirit used that language that he had learned, the Greek language, and used it to write scripture. So Paul is going to complete this argument here in Romans 15, 13. And, and in this passage we saw last evening, he shares with his readers the prayer he makes to the Father on their behalf, that the Spirit will cause them all to be filled with all joy and peace by believing what the Spirit says in the Word of God. And this evening, we're going to complete the verse by noting the purpose of Paul's desire, which he expressed in prayer to the Father. Namely, that the souls of each and every one of the Roman believers would prosper with that confidence, which is divine in quality and character, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, this message was delivered to the Roman believers in the first century and it has application for us here in the 21st century. God wants us to have peace. He wants us to experience the peace of God in our lives. Now it's already been given to us the minute we had faith in Christ as our Savior and now we need to appropriate that peace and joy that is ours because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, our marriage and union and identification with Him, we need to appropriate what the Spirit says to us in the Word of God about what God, how God views us and what God has done for us and who God is and what He is and what He has accomplished through His Son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to have confidence as well and He wants our souls to prosper. You know, in our day and age, and it's infected the Christian church Especially here in America Is this thing called the prosperity gospel It's always about money That's why you hear pastors talking about money, 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 money And, and, and talking nothing about money The Bible does talk a lot about money but however, when you, do, when you talk, teach just about money and people giving to your ministry, rather than t- teaching the whole genre of what the Word of God teaches, uh, you're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. Because true prosperity is not what you possess materially or financially. True prosperity is y- your relationship with Jesus Christ and you experience that prosperity in your soul when you are listening and obeying what the spirit says to you in the word of god it's better to have be poor financially and materialistically and and be rich to, toward god you know this is what you see so many people in our day and age in america the suicide rate sky high people are complaining about the the uh, they're all worried about the, uh, the 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 market and they're all worried about finances and they think they got it tough in this country Go to other parts of the world, and you wouldn't think that. We get it very good, even when we're going through tough economic hard times, if you want to call it that. But relatively speaking, because we've had such a good run out of it here in America, and we're so rich financially and wealthy, we, we are, we're spoiled. And so when a little bit of problem comes, we all start getting all anxious and worried. Well you know what that's a sign that your prosperity where your wealth is is not your relationship with God it's in your finances it's in your checkbook it's in what you possess and God's revealing that to you if that's what you if you're upset about the markets and your future that means that your relationship with God you don't value that as much as your material things or your financial or your bank account and if you think and if you think that you're you're doing that God will show you that you're not when you when you when you will if he might decide to take every away from you that you own And that you just live from paycheck to paycheck If you're not doing it already And you're going to find out that You really are, have uh, true prosperity Is in your relationship with God And that you can be happy Even if you don't possess anything Paul had to learn that And all Christians have to learn that Paul said that in Philippians 4 That you have to be he, He's learned He had to learn How to, to, uh, to, uh, to deal with prosperity And how to be in poverty In destitution He had to learn how to be content in those circumstances. And God wants us to be content. He wants us to know that he's for us and that he is not against us and that he has blessed us and he will bless us. He's blessing us now, will bless us in the future. And even though we might not have materialistically everything uh, that, that we need, then, you know, it's still we know... That God is for us, and that he's not against us, and that he's given his, he 's given us he own he's a cattle uh, he 's the owner of a cattle of a, on a thousand hills God owns everything, and so we have our true wealth and our true prosperity is in our relationship with god and paul we 're going to see this evening that the purpose of paul 's desire, which he expressed in prayer to the Father, was that the soul, the, that the souls of the, each and every one of the Roman believers would prosper with a confidence Which is divine in quality and character And it's accomplished by the power Of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit pours out through the scriptures Into your soul As we saw in Romans 5.5 That God loves you He loved you so much that when you were his enemy He sent his son to the cross So now that he loved you that way When you were his enemy Now that you're in his family As we saw in Romans 8.32 Don't you know, don't you realize He's going to freely give you all things And of course he is So this is what we'll be seeing here this evening. Very important. There's a lot of doctrine in these, in this verse. It's broken out into two nights here. I could have spent a week or two weeks on it if I wanted to because each each word has a lot of wealth in it, a lot of wealth of information and uh, implication. So look at Romans 15, 13. Now may God, and we saw that's the Holy Spirit... The God of hope, or we could say, who produces confidence, that is a divine quality and character, fill you, your souls, the Roman believers, with all joy, the joy of the Lord, and peace, the peace of the Lord, in believing. So it's not let go, let God. This is what God will do for us if we have faith in what the Spirit says and the Word of God. You have to operate in faith, not just to get saved. When you believe in Christ, you took one decision to get saved and be declared justified. And then after conversion to Christianity, it takes many decisions that we need to make in order to grow to spiritual maturity. And so we need to operate in faith. Faith manifests itself in obedience. We saw that in Hebrews 11.8 with Abraham last evening. So may God the Holy Spirit, who produces a confidence that is divine in quality and character, fill you with all joy and peace by believing, we could say, it's instrumental And then here's the purpose So that, or in order that You will abound in hope By the power of the Holy Spirit So that you will abound is a prepositional phrase We have the preposition Is, which is translated so that And then we have the articular form of the infinitive Petitsevo Which in Petitsevo means Will abound It's a great word It's one of those great words In the Pauline vocabulary It talks about an abundance A wealth of something And also we see that the object of this preposition, preposition is, is the personal pronoun see, which is translated you in your Bibles. Now, the word we need to concentrate on right now is petisavo. That word means to have the abundant presence of something, to abound, to be extremely rich in something, to be abundant. To excel. That's what the word, it meant in classical Greek, the Septuagint, and the Greek New Testament. Now this verb in our passage means to prosper. When it says abound, he's talking about prospering. Yet, and as I mentioned before, the, the, what's infected the church is this prosperity gospel. The televangelists are the are, are big culprits of this. They pushed this. you If you give me so much money, God is going to prosper you. He's going to do this. He's going to give you this, that, and the other thing. And you know what? They don't teach what true prosperity is. It's your relationship with God. It's knowing God. It's knowing His ways. How He operates toward you and His plan for the ages and His plan for you. That and wisdom. Wisdom that you know how to do things God's way. And God teach you, teaches you how to do things His way in His Word. He teaches you how to be a good wife, a good husband, a good parent, a good child. He teaches you how to be a good pastor. He teaches you how to be a good leader of a nation. He teaches you how to be a good uh, employer, a great employee. He teaches you all these things. How to raise children. The Word of God teaches you all those things. God teaches us how to love like He does. I know how to do these things it's called wisdom in the scriptures that's what's important is that you have wisdom know-how to do things the way god wants things done and that's when you're truly prospering you can you know true prosperity when people put their their hope and their fine and their their, uh, their trust in their bank account and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with those things but you know and god knows if you are really putting your confidence on your bank account or on your your, uh, your uh, spouse or your security on those things or your security on your military, how strong your military is or how great your form of government is or how pr- prosperous and how... You're, you are putting your faith in the wrong things. True trust all those things can be taken away from us. Everything that's temporal can be taken away from us. It's only the eternal... It's only the eternal that will remain, so that's why Jesus pleaded with his disciples and taught them in the Sermon on the Mount to not be worried about the logistics of life food, shelter, and clothing we don't even have to worry about that in this country i don't see anybody walking around naked i don't see anybody starving around here. what do, I, and, and what, do what are people worried about we're not even we 're not in need in this country no we're not, and yet that's just a sign The fact that people get upset about those things That's what heathens think about That's what they worry about They lust after those things Jesus said He said where your treasure is Your heart will be also So the true true wealth and prosperity Is something that can never be taken away from you You'll know it You'll know it when it's time for you to die Whether it's that split second If it's fast Or if it's cancer for a couple of years Or Alzheimer's I just lost that uncle to Alzheimer's. I've lost three, three or four uncles to Alzheimer's. So I, maybe I'll get, I'm going to get Alzheimer's and you'll be you know, fix, fixing the drool on my face or something. So it, it, whatever, whatever way you go, whatever your way you go, don't lose sight of what I'm saying here. Whatever you, way you go, you're going to really appreciate your relationship with God then. Don't build on sand. You build on the rock, Jesus Christ. He taught them that. You build your life on Scripture. What the scripture says. The foundation of your soul should be scripture. Because when it comes time to die, you're going to really appreciate it. Because the greatest adversity in life is death. When we're faced with that, then we'll find out how, where, we, where we are in our relationship with God. Because truth, then you'll know, then you're really pro, you'll really know what true prosperity is about. You really appreciate your relationship with God because when it comes time to die, when other people are freaking out, you're calm, you're relaxed you're anticipating being with the lord. You know where you're going when you die. Say a lot of people don't. And that's petrifying to a lot of people and it should be. You should be. If you haven't trusted in Christ as your savior, you better you better think about him now because you might not have another breath. True prosperity is a relationship with God. That's what the Old Testament the Proverbs are talking about The Psalmists talk about The Scripture Jesus talked about The Apostles talked about Paul's talking about here It's a prosperity that's based upon your relationship with God And that's based upon what the Spirit says to us in the Scripture Because God tells us about Himself He tells, about, tells us how He operates What He wants for us What He's done for us What His plans are for us What the future holds for us Through the Spirit and the Word He communicates that that's where we get confidence. And when we have that confidence in our soul, that's when we have true prosperity. And my prayer is for the people in this ministry to have that prosperity, to have that. And sometimes we have to go, and I'm convinced of this, you really can't understand it and appreciate it and know that you have it until you go through adversity and, and going through problems and tragedies and heartbreak and and, and, and difficult times Crisis That's when you really appreciate your relationship with God That's when you really advance in the spiritual life As you go through these different crises These different adversities So this pe- word sevo, Translated uh, will abound in your Bibles It talks about prosperity It actually means to prosper And it's used intransitively here That means without a direct object it's used intransitively intransitively of the souls of the Roman believers and the prepositional phrase in hope marks the confident condition of their souls that Paul wants them to have. So this indicates, this all indicates to us that Paul desires that the Holy Spirit who produces a confidence that is divine in quality and character cause the souls of the Roman believers to be filled with all joy and peace by trusting in the Spirit's teaching and the scriptures, in order that their souls would prosper with a confidence that's divine in quality and character by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word is in, uh, this verb is in a articular infinitive form. It's governed by the preposition east and it functions as an infinitive of purpose. And that indicates the goal or action of the, or the state of the controlling verb, which is pliroo which is translated fill in the first part of the verse. Now, may the God of hope fill. The word abound is connected to that word fill at the beginning of the verse. This all indicates that the purpose for which Paul desires that the Holy Spirit cause the souls of the Roman believers to be filled with all joy and peace by trusting in the Spirit's teaching in the Scriptures was in order that their souls would prosper with confidence by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. This, was not a, this is not a prayer actually, but it was a prayer that Paul offered to the Father for the believers, the Roman believers. We should be play, praying like this. Instead of saying, God, give me a million bucks, we should be praying, that, give me this. Give me this. Because a million bucks, you can't take to heaven with you. You can't take your house. You can't take your car. You can't take your bank account. It's going to stay here. You can't take your clothes. You came in buck naked. You're going to go out buck naked. Okay? You're, not, you're rich on earth. Are you rich in heaven? Are you rich toward God? That is what we want to ask ourselves. Gotta ask yourself these tough questions. Because if you're not, what do you do about it? Well, you start making changes. You start making changes in your life. And if you're already doing this, good, you're being encouraged. Keep going. But this is what the prayer this is the prayer that we should have for ourselves and each other. That God would the Holy Spirit would who produces confidence through the scriptures in us, that He would produce in our brothers and sisters in Christ, in ourselves, this joy and peace that's divine in quality. Because it's produced by the Holy Spirit in our lives. How does He produce this joy and peace in our lives? When we obey what He says in the Word of God. When we do that, we're going to experience this joy and peace. Now the personal pronoun, which is translated, if you look at your Bibles, Now may God, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing or by believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You there is the personal pronoun "see." It's used, once again, in a distributive sense And that means it's speaking of each and every One of the body of, members of the body of Christ In Rome, without exception Regardless of their race, gender, or social status This means, this was the prayer That Paul prayed to the Father for them For every single one of them Not the Christians he liked, or didn't like In fact, he didn't know, he didn't know anybody face to face way. Well, yes, he, he, he had some people he knew But he, the majority in the church, he's never met them Okay. Now, he prayed this for every Christian. That's what we should do as well. We should pray for every Christian. Even the people you don't like. If you don't pray for people you don't like, that means you don't have the love of God in your heart. You always remember how God has treated you at that cross. He sent his son to the cross while you were his enemy. Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Jesus on the cross prayed for his enemies. If we can't pray for our own brothers and sisters in Christ, there's something wrong with our spiritual life. At self righteousness, you're not better than your brother in Christ, who so you don't like. You're just as you're equal before the cross with that person. We all are, and no matter who they are, we should pray for them. Even those who've wounded and hurt us. How much more should we pray for them and imitate Jesus? So we should be. Paul's telling them here that he's sharing this prayer that he had to, that he gave offered to the Father for them. He's sharing them sharing this with them. To encourage them, and also I believe to teach them to do the same thing, and pray this for each other and for himself. So I want to take you to a few passages here, if I may, and uh, I want you to go. I want you to go to First uh, Timothy chapter six. Look at verse ten. So Paul is talking about a spiritual prosperity here when he uses this word abound. And uh, we need to have the proper attitude toward material prosperity, temporal prosperity, and, uh, and, and we need to put our, have our priorities right when we, when we look at that. Paul talked about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Look what he says in 1 Timothy six ten, saying this to a pastor. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. There's nothing evil in money itself. It's our attitude toward it. He doesn't want us to love it. For the, because you, as we'll see in Matthew, you can't love both God and money. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I know pastors who love money because they never had it. They, know they were always living hand and mouth and foot, and, and paycheck to paycheck, and had trouble paying bills. And they love—they—they—they're susceptible to that because they don't have it, and they need to get it. And so they wander away from what they're supposed to be doing, and they end up trying to get do other things to get some money in, when they shouldn't have to do that. So this is what he's warning them: don't be doing that. In fact, he tells them later on, be content with your wages. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. uh, griefs. But flee, look what he says, flee from these things, from the love of money. You man of God, pursue what? Spiritual things, spiritual prosperity. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now go to Matthew chapter 6, the gospel of Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talks about the importance of uh, the superiority of spiritual prosperity, being rich toward God over temporal prosperity. Look at Matthew 6:19. Matthew 6:19 Do not store up for yourselves Treasures on earth, do not store up for yourselves. You ever see that show, the hoarding? I can't watch it because I have some people in my family that are like that. <laughs> so I should put them on the show, they, they hoard themselves. They keep, they get all they just get 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 get. It shows a lack of faith in God. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Walk, travel lightly. You're on a pilgrimage to heaven, you know. Travel lightly. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth, money. You can put materialism in there. Whatever way you slice it, it's, you're either on God, doing God's will or you're not. You're either serving money or you're serving God. You've got to make a choice because you're either doing one or the other. And many Christians are serving the wrong master. Look at verse 25. For this reason, now, one of the reasons why people love money and serve money and wealth is they don't believe that God will take care of them and trust them. And they don't have faith in Him, that He'll provide for them. Look at what he says now in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life Worry about money. Worry about money. I have family members like that, and they're dying in bed. They're worried about the phone bill being paid. Verse 28. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these... But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? You know, trust me. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Eagerly seek means they lust for these things. So if we don't have this... God God doesn't want us to pursue material prosperity... Because it's going to take us away from His relationship with Him and we're not going to have that spiritual prosperity that God wants to give us because we're serving money and wealth and materialism than Him. For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Verse 32. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek... Now, this is what He wants us to do. He wants us to pursue His kingdom, His righteousness. Spiritual prosperity, but seek His first, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word "trouble" day talks about evil. You got enough to deal with one day. Don't be looking down the road. Don't be. It's good to plan, but don't. You know, you always remember if God wills, because you might not have tomorrow. Look at another passage. Look at 3 John. Go to the end of the Bible. Before Revelation, and there's a book before Revelation, Jude. And before Jude, there's 3 John. Look at 3 John chapter 1. It's only one chapter. 3 John 1. John talks about this prosperity of the soul. 3 John, verse 1. The elder, this is John, he's calling himself, and the word elder there is talking about a pastor. It's a title for a pastor. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now look what he says. Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper. Now he doesn't give the explicit details like Paul did of the Romans. He shares his prayer in Romans fifteen thirteen his prayer that he had for the Romans. John saying the same thing, but with less words that I pray that in all respects you may prosper. Where? In your souls. And be in good health. Look at it says. Just as your souls. So he says, yeah, I want you to... I'd like to see you prosper and be in good health, but I want your souls prospering. Notice he talks about soul prosperity. He wants them to prosper like their soul prospers. Now, it prospers because they obey the word of God. Look at verse 3. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is... That is, how you are walking in truth. Living their life according to what the Word of God says. Prosperity, spiritual prosperity is where it's at. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. In the middle of your Bibles there's the Psalms, and then after the Psalms you have Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. How blessed, that means happy, is the man who finds wisdom. Where do you find it? In the word of God. And the man who gains understanding. For her prophet, wisdom, he's personifying wisdom, is better than the prophet of silver. And her gain better than fine gold. We could say... A thousand dollars. Ten million dollars. A bucket full of money. Put whatever what you want in there. Verse 15. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways, wisdom's ways, are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy... Are all who hold her fast. That is what God wants for us. Wisdom from the Word of God—that is more precious than material wealth. Go now over to. Let's take a hop over to. Let's uh, 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 let's see. First uh, Peter. Yeah, go to First Peter. Look at First Peter. It's after Hebrews. Look at First Peter, chapter one. Look at verse one. 1 Peter 1.1 Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia who were chosen those are the Roman provinces in that day according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood may grace, grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance spiritual prosperity which is imperishable And undefiled and will not fade away Reserved in heaven for you Who are protected by the power of God Through faith for salvation Ready to be revealed in the last time In this you greatly rejoice Even though now for a little while if necessary You have been distressed by various trials So that the proof of your faith Being more precious than gold which is perishable Even though tested by fire Adversity May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Rapture, the Great White, uh, the Bema C Judgment. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. He did a lot of work on that word salvation. It talks about. Deliverance, a spiritual, it's actually, not deliverance, it talks about a spiritual prosperity. A, uh, it's a, the word shalom in Hebrew is its, its counterpart. It talks about a soul prosperity. It talks about your soul prospering. Now go back to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So there's just a little bit of a perusal about our atti- what our attitude should be toward material wealth and what, uh, what our, what's really valuable and, and important in life. That we need to concentrate on experiencing and, 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 and enjoying. Look at Romans fifteen, thirteen. Now may the God or the Holy Spirit, who produces confidence, fill you with all fill you all, Romans, with all joy and peace and by believing. Believing in what the Spirit says in the Word of God. So that you why? So that you will abound. Prosper is the word. Peti sevo. In hope By the power of The Holy Spirit Now in hope Is, the, is another prepositional phrase It's the word L, uh, Preposition N And then where that we have The object of the preposition And the dative form Elpis Which is translated Hope in your Bibles This is the second time That the noun piece appears In verse 13 The God of hope Earlier in the verse And once again It means the same thing Confidence Confidence in one's Relationship with God Hope is a lousy translation. Because we know hope has some doubt in it. For instance, I knock on Donna's door tomorrow and I say, I hope as I'm waiting for her to answer there, I'm going, Oh, I hope Donna goes to lunch with me tomorrow. See, there's some doubt in there, okay? Maybe she will, maybe she won't. Of course, she's good. I could have confidence when I knock on her door. She's going to lunch with me tomorrow because she knows that Claude Van Dam. I'm a good-looking man. So, anyways, okay, had you had your little fun there, but she, that, that's a bad example because there's no. I know she's going to say no, to, to, uh, yes to tomorrow. So it doesn't matter. But anyways, got you good. So talking about confidence, here's a better one. Pam Anderson, would you like to go out with me for dinner? <laughs> As I'm asking her, that I'm thinking, I oh, hope maybe she will. Hope she will. Doubt, right? Hope is a word of doubt. The word in the original, what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, is not any doubt involved. It's confidence. It can be translated in some context. Confidence, confident expectation. It talks about confident expectation of blessing, confidence in your relationship with God, confidence that God's for you and not against you. It denotes a confidence. This word hope here, elpis, it denotes a confidence that one has been blessed in the past, is being blessed in the present, and we'll be blessed in the future. Do you know that God blessed you in eternity past? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I take you there now, but I don't have time. I'm have, unless you want to stay here for three hours. That talks about that God in eternity past elected us to privilege. And that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God looked down the corridors of time. He's omniscient. He could see that you would believe in his son at some point, And he already had a plan to bless you all mapped out. Okay? So this, this is, God wants you to know this. You can't know it by sitting out there in the cornfield and what? Contemplating infinity. No, you look at your Bible, you study your Bible, you listen to your pastor, teacher, you have spend uh, sanctified time in prayer in the Word of God. That's how you know you have it. God wants you to know that you, ha- he ha- you, you have this. So in relation to the believer's election to privilege and eternity past, this word hope, LPs, confidence, it means confidence of being blessed in the future as a result of being elected to privilege in eternity past which guarantees blessing in the present and in the future. Do you know the fact that you were elected in eternity past by God when he saw that you would believe in his son Jesus Christ he elected you to privilege to be in his family and God's family is the wealthiest family in all the world because God is the owner of all creation and you are his child, you are his son Both male and female, Jew and Gentile, black and white. You're his children. And the fact that he did that guarantees that he's blessing you now and will bless you in the future. It's a guarantee. This word also, in relation to the believers present, where we're living in right now as we speak, it talks about a confident expectation of blessing in relation to experiencing fellowship with the Trinity. You know, there are a lot of people in my life that I know in my family, in the past, and people that I know in my life, okay? Out here in Iowa and the people in Massachusetts, people I've run into in in my past who have a lot of things and a lot of money that I couldn't couldn't even dream of. But I am wealthier than all of those people that I, that I, I think about. And I feel bad for them, some of them, that they don't know what true prosperity is and know what true blessing is. It's having fellowship with God. I am the richest man in the world, I feel. Because I, I have wisdom. I know God. I can boast that I know have knowledge of God. And how God does things. And I boast of that. And I am proud of that. I can be boastful of that, God says. but no, You could boast of this, that you know me, he said in Jeremiah. And there are a lot of people, they're unhappy, they're miserable, and they got more... Things and I could never. My, they're members of my family. I, I, I'm a pauper compared to them, you know. They, they come over to my apartment. They make fun of my apartment. I mean, I think my apartment's pretty nice. I think it's pretty nice. But for them, you know, I'm, I'm living in poverty. Well, you know what? I don't think I'm living in poverty. I think I'm living in the, in the, the, uh, I think I'm living up in the penthouse with God. And they're the ones that are really miserable. They're not happy at all. They have, more, they, they, have, they have more things they bitch and complain about because they're not having fellowship with God. I am. And I wouldn't trade my position. I know a lot of you would feel the same way and probably have family members and friends in your life who are the same thing and you could say the same thing I'm saying right now. And you could be saying amen in your heart right now. And if Wayne Larson was here, he'd probably say amen right now, out loud. Because we know. We know what that is. We know what we have something special and we wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So this word hope talks about experiencing bless, the blessing of fellowship with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's also related to the blessing of having the character of Christ being formed in the believer through various adversities and undeserved suffering. There's a passage, I don't have time to take you there. we running out of time here. 2 Corinthians chapter, what is it, chapter 4? Don't go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 5 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 18. Read that tonight when you go home. Paul went through more adversity and more suffering and he wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world because it forged in him Christ-like character. It gave him an empathy for people who were destitute and in need and and having heartbreak. He knew what it was like to suffer greatly and he could identify with people who suffered, which made him a greater servant of God and a greater minister to people and a greater pastor and a greater apostle. And he, he prospered in his soul because of the adversity and undeserved suffering. It's only when you go through adversity and undeserved suffering that you really can appreciate your relationship with God. This blessing is related to deliverance experientially from the sin nature and, his, and Satan and his cosmic system. And it's also related to the imminency of the rapture, which if the believer lives his life in light of, will result in joy and holy living, i.e., their sanctification. Then lastly, this word hope there, elpis, means confidence of being blessed in the future with a resurrection body and rewards for enduring undeserved suffering and faithful service. Then, you truly be prospered when you stand with rewards and decorations because you are faithful in this life, that you are faithful. You know, that you want, remember the rich man in Lazarus, Luke 16, The rich man, who could care less about the things of God, they used to bring Lazarus there, and the dogs would lick his sores. He had nothing. When he died, Lazarus went to be in the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man is burning in torments. And Lazarus had his relationship with God was more important. The rich man, his wealth was more important. So much so, that he could care less about people who were in need. Now the articular construction of this word, we're coming near the end here, of this word elpis, hope, the articular construction of the word, word, first of all, the word elpis is an abstract noun we call it, and when you have a definite article in front of it, an article in English is the. In Greek, it's the word o, and it it can be used in different ways. Here, with elpis, it defines this confidence more closely, and it emphasizes that this confidence, this hope, is divine in quality and character. Why? Because it's produced by faith in what the Spirit teaches in the Scriptures. In fact, uh, you're in uh, Romans. You should look at Romans chapter... Yes, look at Romans 15.4. Look at Romans 15.4. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have what? Hope. Confidence. The same word there. Elpis. How do you get it? From the Scriptures. That's where you get confidence. And who's speaking to us through the Scriptures? Who inspired the Scriptures? Second Peter 1, 20 and 21? The Holy Spirit. he's the That's why you see in the Scriptures as we saw last evening. Listen to what the Spirit says Listen to what the Spirit says. Revelation 2 and 3, those chapters, Jesus keeps saying, listen to what the Spirit says through the teaching of the Word of God. The word uh, elpis, hope, is the object of the preposition N, and it's functioning as a dative instrumental of manner, meaning that it denotes the manner in which the action of the verb is accomplished, and it answers the question, how? The accompanying manner can be an attitude, action, emotion, or a circumstance. Here in our passage... The word elpis and the preposition and denote the manner in which the action of the word pedicevo, which is translated abound in Romans 15 13. This prepositional phrase denotes the manner in which the Christian will abound in confidence and hope. And it answers the question as to how the souls of the Roman believers will prosper. This accompanying manner is an attitude, namely confidence. So when he says, now may thee God in hope the God produces confidence, fill you with all joy and peace by you believing, so that you will abound, prosper, how? What manner? By means of hope. By hope. Confidence. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last prepositional phrase, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is obviously important. It's another prepositional phrase here. Preposition N, translated by. And then the word, Venamis, translated powers, power. And then the word, Pneuma, or as we, in Erasmus' pronunciation, pneuma. It's translated spirit here. And then it's adjunct, the genitive adjunct, is the word aios. Uh, excuse me, ayos. Ayos means holy. And uh, this word talks about the character and nature of the Spirit. Here, when we talk about the word power, he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word power there, thenames, refers to the exertion of the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit when the believer appropriates by faith. What the Spirit says in the Word of God. You, the Word of God is alive and powerful. Hebrews 4.12. You get the power of God in your life, experience it, by obeying what the Word of God says, which is alive and powerful. And the Spirit, who who is powerful, omnipotent, will give you that power in life. You might be saying, "Oh, I can't part the Red Sea. God can make you do something even better than that. He allows you to give you the strength and the power to endure adversity and undeserved suffering without complaining and in, and actually having the confidence, building up this confidence in your life and your relationship with God that's supernatural because the unbelievers can't understand it because to have happiness and confidence in life, everything has to be wonderful and no adversity and I'm prospering materially. But you are prospering spiritually as you go through adversity and you can only do that through the power of the Spirit. It's a supernatural confidence. It's a confidence produced by a supernatural person, the Holy Spirit, and a supernatural power, His omnipotence. The Christian way of life is a supernatural way of life that demands a supernatural means of execution. Now this word, uh, uh, the which is translated power in your Bibles, functions as the object of the the preposition and... And it's a marker of means, indicating the means by which the verbal action of the verb, pedicevo, abound, will, is accomplished. Now, this, thus this prepositional phrase indicates, when he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that indicates that Paul desires that the Holy Spirit cause the souls of the Roman believers to be filled with all joy as well as peace by exercising faith in what the Spirit says in the Word of God in order that all of them would prosper with confidence by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the power of the Holy Spirit is how you experience this confidence that's divine in quality and character. And it's through obeying what the Spirit says to us in the Word of God. You appropriate the power of God in your life, the Spirit's power, through faith. Faith in what the Word of God says. And faith demonstrates itself in obedience. Now the word pneuma, spirit, Refers, of course, to the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It functions as a genitive source, and it indicates that this power originates in the essence or the character and nature of the Holy Spirit. The word holy there, ios, it refers to the character of the Holy Spirit. It denotes the state of being holy, thus, it refers to the holiness of the Spirit. The hol- holiness of God talks about the absolute perfection of his divine attributes it's the sum total of his divine attributes it talks about the fact that he is moral purity moral excellence he is perfection that's what the word's talking about and he does not in sin and, and, uh, and sin is repulsive to him he is holy and this power originates in the character and nature of the spirit therefore here's my translation of the board of this verse, and then I want to make two points on, the, on, this, on this statement on what we've learned about it. And we'll close. now well, listen to it as I read, or you can view it as, you, as we go along. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may God the Holy Spirit cause each and every one of you and 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 put your name. Think about that He's addressing you. The Holy Spirit's addressing you and me here, not just the Roman believers. He addressed the Roman believers centuries ago, and he's talking to us today about the same thing. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may God the Holy Spirit Cause each and every one of you, without exception, to be filled with all joy as well as peace by exercising faith in order that each and every one of you, without exception, would prosper with that confidence which is divine in quality and character by means of power originating from the Holy Spirit. So what we see, to summarize this, this study of this verse, which completes the argument of the epistle, we see that Paul shares with his readers the prayer he makes to the Father on their behalf, that the Spirit would cause them to be filled with all joy and peace by believing what the Spirit says in the Word of God. And as we saw this evening, he then presents the purpose of this prayer, which is that the souls of each and every one of the Roman believers would prosper with that confidence, which is divine in quality and character, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And true prosperity is your relationship with God true prosperity that relationship with God that prosperity that confidence that peace that joy that is God's and he wants to share with you is reachable it's attainable it's all bound up in your attitude toward this book and what the spirit's saying in this book he's telling you he wants you to be happy he doesn't want you to fall for the lie Satan has tons of lies on television if only you had a relationship if only you had money If only you had lived in a nice house over here by the lake And circumstances and situations And money and materialism and relationships All those things, temporal things They try to tell you, the devil tries to tell you That those things will really make you happy You ever see the guy, I always crack this up When they had the hair commercials They always do this you know, the hair club for men? And sure, I'd be in a bar, and sure enough, that this thing comes on, and they got this thing, the hair club for men, and they always have a nice-looking girl with the bald-headed guy. Once he gets it, when he has no hair, he has no girl, right? Then when he gets his hair, he's got the nice babe on his shoulder. See, the, the, this is the thing they stick in men's head. It's the same thing they do with women. If you're skinny like Twiggy, for those of you who remember Twiggy was, see, then you're really a hot babe. That's why we have anorexia problems in our country among women because in the last 50, 60 years the media has brainwashed women that they have to be looking like Twiggy with a waist like this. And the true beauty is you have to be 100 pounds. Well, I look in the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, not that I was perusing to look around at naked pictures, but they 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 have these pictures from the 1800s, 1700s, 1900s of naked women, and they have a few pounds on them by today's standards. And they were considered, in their day, beautiful. Marilyn Monroe today would be considered fat, okay? I don't think Marilyn Monroe is fat. I think she's what we call voluptuous, all right? Voluptuous. But no, the thing I'm trying to point out—don't lose sight of the, I'm not trying to make a joke. What I'm trying to show you is, the world tells you that if you have these things, you look like this, you have this hair, you have this this body, you have these abs, you're going to be happy. You're going—that's going to make you happy. People loved you, had this fame. Everybody knew who you were. Ask Elvis about that. He died on the toilet. A miserable man, because, because, and he had everything. Look at Solomon, read the Ecclesiastes. Guy had everything. He, ch- he chated it in, his relationship with God, for women. He thought women would make him happy, and he did that. Sex was going to make him happy. It doesn't, it doesn't really give you true happiness. It doesn't do anything for you. When it's time to die, you can't t- that stuff is a waste of time. So remember, the world's trying to tell you something that conflicts with what God says. God wants you to listen to him, what he says through his spirit, because he wants you to have the, what's best in life. God wants what's best for his children. He doesn't want second best. He wants best. And the devil likes to tell us This is going to make us happy This is what's best Always contradicting God Remember what Jesus said Where your heart is Your treasure will be also Heavenly Father We just thank you for this time To study your word And we pray that this message Would help your people And minister to your people Here this evening And uh, whoever listens to this On the uh, website Or gets the material CDs or whatnot. We just pray Father that this would be A blessing to the body of Christ We also pray that you would Give us traveling mercies On the way home for those of us in the chapel and that the Spirit would guide the fellowship after. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.